Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Parker. Hello, hello, hello. I guess I should mention now that they are doing construction outside of Parker's apartment. So if you hear the occasional thudding, that's what's happening. Unless it's <laughs> my head hitting my desk. Sure, so sure, sure, sure. But yeah, do you hear that? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, but that's fun. that'll be the theme of this episode: um, frustration and intrusion. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it, but you recently got some very shitty news. Yeah. So so here's the thing. I uh, so I worked at Upworthy for three and a half years. I was the of the people who were on staff. I had been there. Uh, the longest of any of the writers or editors. So it was kind of weird to see the whole company kind of uh, switch around me just slowly over time. It's, yeah. sort of, it's sort of like one of those things where it's just like, did you know that every seven years all your cells in your body are new? And I don't even know if that's true. But it was kind of it was kind of one of those types of situations where it's just like you look around, and you're like, oh, shit, no one else. The one else I started with was here. Like right. for a while, I was still like in this mindset where I was like, "I'm the new person," and then I was like, "Oh no, I'm the longest serving per- yeah. person here." So anyway, basically, what it what it came down to was they um, uh, the company merged with another company uh, called Good like a year and a half ago, and there was always this kind of internal struggle back and forth between whether uh, we'd continue with Upworthy's sort of plan of having a distributed workforce, which all of us really liked because we live all around the country, or good who liked having people in an office in LA. And <laughs> uh, they, I guess, decided to just go the LA route after, mm-hmm. you know, we were kind of, we were under the impression that things were going to be fine, like the way it was, where it was like, yeah, no, the writers can stay anywhere. And so we all just basically got a phone call that was just like, BT dubs, uh, today's your last day. Fuck. Yeah, because yeah. I wanted to ask you, because we were supposed to record the day you that found was... out it happened. And yeah, I let you know like an hour before yeah. because other people had just started getting the call. I just, I assumed it happened very quickly because you mm-hmm. seemed like blindsided. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, I woke up that morning and I was looking for stories like a normal day, mm. you know? And it just sort of. I don't know. It just sort of, uh, you know, hit uh, hit us all kind of as, as a surprise because you know it was it was something that we we uh, none of us expected. And so the funny thing here is that the weekend before that, so uh, it was yeah, it was like five days earlier. I was at home and I checked my bank account and I'm like, oh shit, I have five thousand dollars in my bank account. That's the most I've ever had in my bank account. <laughs> And like I hadn't noticed it, it just been like accumulating, which is which is always a good thing. It's yes. better than when you check it. It's like you have five dollars. So anyway, I was like, I should be a responsible adult and make a make a large payment on my student loans because, mm. you know, just want to want to address that. And I was like, I have a steady source of income. <laughs> so I made a four thousand dollars. I spent four thousand of the five thousand dollars I had in the bank account on my student loans, which is, which is, you know, a good thing in the long term. You know, it does bring my student loans down. Uh, however, I probably, uh, could, could have used that, that cushion, 
uh, a little bit, you know, had I had I known like a week earlier. So it's the the lesson here is never be an adult. Yes, <laughs> I, I like that as a piece of advice. It's also I mean, you know how I feel about places that think you need to have central staffing for I, I think it's just totally antiquated and stupid. It, but yeah, it really is. Yeah. And and especially especially in media stuff. Yeah. You know, it's especially when it's not like local reporting, you know. Yeah. And if if you're covering things from all over the country, you might as well have people all over the country. Yeah. Um, just for those sorts of situations. Like I've gone out and interviewed some people in person in Chicago to write up a story for Upworthy. But um, yeah, so so that that happened. And also, it doesn't make sense to do it have it on the West Coast either. No. Like because because you're going to have to you're you're three hours behind anyone in New York. then. Yeah. You know, that's got to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. But whatever. I basically kind of was like, oh, shit, went into sort of panic mode. And I've gotten some emails and taken some phone calls, you know, with places. But, you know, it always kind of comes down to this. What do you want to do next? Sure. You know, what yeah. do you want your next gig to be? And I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you are in a great position now where, like, you built up such a following while you were yeah. at Upworthy that I feel like you're – it's a gross word, but your brand is very strong right now. Like a brand. <laughs> so that's why I was like, it sucks, but I was like, I know you're going to be good. But it is, it, it doesn't remove like how scary it is. I know that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not, uh, you know, it's not ideal. Right. But, um, you know, it's, it was nice that I got, I got some calls and I got some, uh, you know, I've, I've already commissioned a couple freelance pieces. I wrote good. one yesterday at The Verge. Hell yeah. Uh, about Alex Jones and Twitter and uh, politics and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, I got so I almost missed the angry comments from people. It was, it was <laughs> nice. It was nice. I, I, I almost started to get used to not getting people yelling at me on the Internet. So, <laughs> yeah, we talked about uh, the Alex Jones Twitter thing, I think, on yesterday's episode. Man, yeah. wild times. Right. Well, so so my oh, my whole and I'm yawning. Okay, my whole <laughs> my whole point with with my article was basically just the Twitter's terms of service don't make any sense. They're yes. all over the place. So it's just like all I was saying was like Twitter just needs to lean into a direction. Like either put out some clear rules and enforce them, you know, really heavily, or just like straight up tell people it's a free for all. You know, <laughs> like right. like so we don't expect that there will be action on something. Well, that's what they keep and, doing. They keep saying like apologizing for not yeah. having a coherent policy, but it's like how long are you going to do that? It's but like you just, are you coming up with one? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you can't keep adding to a bunch of nonsense. You need to, <laughs> you know, you need you should scrap it and start over. That's why you know it's like I called for a corporate constitutional convention of their <laughs> terms of service or something, something right. like that. Um, because those are in a sense, political documents, you know? Sure. Uh, like f for instance, Facebook's, um, uh, the, I looked at Facebook cause I read through all the terms of services of all the social media companies, which is exciting. Uh, <laughs> oh God, uh. <laughs> uh, you know, just doing research. <laughs> uh, but Facebook's, uh, the amount of, the section Facebook has in their terms of service about data collection is nearly as long as the original U.S. Constitution. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like 4,000 some odd words. And I'm like, cool. Wow. That's that's a lot to tell us about how you can use our data, which is very scary, actually. It's yeah. very, very open. Facebook is 
they're kind of like, hey, we can do whatever. And we're all like, okay. <laughs> so I like getting yelled at, so that's fine. Yeah, this is fine. This is good. <sighs> but yeah, so... Yeah. So that's that. But yeah, I've got I've got a couple freelance things coming out. I Good. oh also, maybe I'll plug this. Uh, I've started updating my Patreon more. Good. Uh, is just Patreon.com/slash Parker Malloy, and I started a newsletter, which for for now is is uh is totally free, and it's I it's called Unbreak the Internet, and basically the idea is that the internet is broken. Uh, but we, there are things we can do to fix it. So, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter. I tweet about these things and you can click on links and sign up for all of those things. And, Ooh. you know, on the Patreon one, you can send me money. So I want to sign up for your newsletter. I'm going to go do that. I'll, I'll send it to you. Hell yeah. Uh, well, cool. Yeah. And also like, man, it's just brutal right now. Like, I think you're my third friend this month who's lost their media job. It's like crazy times yeah well and and that so that's one of the things that when people are like what do you want to do next it's like i don't do i yeah. want to go back into that shit yeah <laughs> you yeah, know i don't blame you yeah it's uh, that's why it's like maybe maybe if i can if i can just make a go of it freelancing maybe that is the way to go but i don't know it's it's you know how hard it is oh, to uh, freelance. do i it's all i've <laughs> ever done uh, yeah, it's really hard, like, coming up with that patchwork income. I was just talking with someone about that the other day. Like, it's an unending grind. When you tell people that you're self-employed, they're like, wow, you're so lucky. You're living the dream. And it's like, no, no, no. I do not work yeah. a nine-to-five. I work a 24-hour job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's like one of the freelance things I picked up was just someone emailed me last night uh, just being like, hey, can you write about – ask me to write about – uh, this current controversy involving Caitlyn Jenner, and I was just like, "What?" Because I forgot that I did this, but it was actually a very smart move on Twitter. I muted the word Jenner. <laughs> it was brilliant, so, brilliant. So I get none of <laughs> anything about that family, which is great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. So anyway. So I woke up early and like starting at like six a.m. I, I wrote the story that I had turned in by nine. So it's like, yeah, it's it unpredictable hours and yeah. Stuff. Last last night I ended up going to a concert, which is, which was kind of kind of cool. You know, I had I've I've had a few like little little breaks uh, since uh, you know because I got laid off on Thursday and then um, I already had tickets to go to Lollapalooza. Jesus. <laughs> and and so I and I got them through like a vendor who was like sponsoring the uh, sponsoring the festival, so they were free. Oh, nice. Uh, it, you know, it was they they gave them to me in hopes that I'd write about it, and then I'm like, ah, I don't guess have what suckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, thanks for the four, thanks for the two because I was able to get one for Kayla as well. Thanks for the two four day VIP passes, oh. um, which was awesome. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Except for it's it's just weird. You know, the whole weekend I was just kind of in this like, well, I'm here, and I felt bad being like, oh no, I'm so insecure about my. My financial situation, oh, open bar, and look, there's a spot. You know, like, it was this yeah. whole, whole thing where it's just like, no, guys, really, I'm not paying for any of this. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's like, I'm not wasting what money I do have. This right. is all free, which, uh, yeah, Kayla had her got her nails painted at Lollapalooza. Hell yeah, yeah, she did. 
which was great, except for it was in like the 90s. So Oof, yeah, humidity took a toll on those before they dried. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. But yeah, so and then last night I ended up going to another concert uh, with the, the band uh, Wolf Parade. So oh, very cool. They played them. They were they were fun. I used used to like love them like ten ten years ago. Like every band that I loved ten years ago is now doing shows again. Yeah, which is great. Um, and and doesn't at all make me feel super old. <laughs> God, I didn't even. Who was at Lollapalooza this year? God, it was such a there. There were not a lot of great bands that I've yeah. heard. You know, it was like the headliners were like Arctic Monkeys, which is like, okay. Speaking I guess. of 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, huh, they headliners? Like, and I, yeah. I was like, I don't know. Maybe they got really popular in the past few years, but I just didn't notice. Um, so it was like they were headliners one night. Uh, Bruno Mars headlined another night. Of course. Uh, the National, which again, 10 right years on. ago. But also yeah. still so good. Yeah, still so good, but they're not. I don't know if they're headlining headline a festival. Good, you know. I feel like they are now. I'm confused by Arctic Monkeys, but yeah. I, I think the National has built enough of a reputation where they could headline. Uh, Vampire Weekend. Sure, it's a fucking it's a summer festival, man. You got to get Vampire Weekend. Oh, except for so here's here's the thing about Vampire Weekend. They so they had that you know like off their first record they had that one song that was that was everywhere called uh, a punk yes right and they so they opened with that and people were like yeah then they finished and then they started it again what and then they finished and then they played it a third time no they did not they did they played the <laughs> one hit song three times what? apparently it's some weird inside joke that they have oh okay uh, yeah but like they don't do it live they just decided to do it but like Someone's like, no, you have to listen to the singer's podcast to understand. Like, what? <laughs> what? I'm it's, not doing that. <laughs> so, I, so I tweeted about it. I was just like, uh, they just played this song three times in a row. This is weird. This is an odd way to start a set. Yeah. Um, especially like in those types of situations, like they're timed. They have they only have like an hour and a half total. Right. You know? I mean, and you kind of have to respect it's a bold move to it's just such a bold move. bank on. You guys have all listened to my podcast, right? You get this joke. Yeah. And, and so so they 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 did that. And I, I tweeted about it. And I was just like, you know, it's like everyone loves this song. But I don't know. Three times is a bit much. And then I had like their angry fans like tweeting oh, at me. Jesus. being Like, oh, you should be appreciative to be there. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I am. I'm having a good time. And then during the middle of one of their other songs, the bassist did the the theme to Seinfeld. It was so <laughs> weird. But yeah, there was there was uh there was them and then uh, uh oh earlier in the day there was Saint Vincent who's just sure. amazing. Yeah. Uh Carly Rae Jepsen played. Well fucking yeah she did. Yeah. Uh, man, I, I I first saw her play at the Pitchfork Fest like two years ago and I remember like being like ha 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 this will she, like Oh, a pop singer playing at Pitchfork. This will be kind of funny. And then I'm like, no, she's so fun. Live. She's awesome. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> yeah. So so there was that. And then uh, the final day was like, um, I went to go see the band Portugal, the man. And then. Uh, oh, that's the, the one you and Kayla have been like following forever, right? Yeah. 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 Which and now they're now they're like huge. And yeah, you know, I joked with Kayla about like the. The only downside to them getting super popular is that now they don't return my call. <laughs> now they don't return my messages. I was like, all right, whatever. It's like literally the story of my life. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like it's like, hey guys, remember we? Oh, oh, no, uh, no, okay, okay, no, it's cool, it's cool. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so it's them and then uh, Jack White played after them. But we sure. ended up leaving. We ended up leaving before Jack White because by the, by the end of a four day festival. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to do was spend like another minute outside. and It was hot the whole time. It was gross. And then you beat the rush. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't want to be like in a crowd of, you know, 100,000 people trying to get, trying to get out of a park. Right, so. right. That we are so fucking old. I know. I'm just, well, and, <laughs> well, and that was the so that was the thing at the at the concert I went to last night. Yeah. Um, Kayla and I just kind of talked our way into getting a VIP wristband, which I don't think we were supposed to get. Mm. Um, but we just went in with confidence and said we were supposed to be on that list, and they gave it to us. We're like, all right, <laughs> you know. So so just you know, try that. Sometime. So just like you- carry yourself with the confidence of a mediocre white man, and you can get exactly. a lot of free shit. Believe it or not, yeah. So yeah, so so we got that, and I was just like, okay, we got to find a spot to sit. That was my whole oh, like, yeah. thing. like once we were inside, I was like, oh. And then there was this like r- room in a VI, whatever the VIP area was like, you know, it was like an office. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's just sit in here until the bands we want to see play. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just oh hanging out there, like drinking free bottles of water Great. because neither of us really drink anymore. <laughs> I mean, you both need to be inside. You're both very fair skinned. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, uh, it. I, I I really feel like my like you know it's like I'm I'm in 32 now uh, and now is when I'm getting like all these like VIP pass type things mm. uh, but I don't but I don't take advantage of like the biggest you know the biggest uh, advantage is like free alcohol and right, I sure. don't take advantage of it but when I was like 22 yeah <laughs> when I was 22 it would have been a completely different story uh, like when you were a garbage monster of a human being yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so it was like you know there would be times where I'd go to a festival and you know I'd be like how many beers do I have 15 you know and something ridiculous <laughs> and I would have and I would have paid for all of them and I would have sure. had no money yeah you know yeah. it would have been like well I'm paying seven dollars each but you know, I'm too drunk to pay to even know how much money that is. At this <laughs> right, right. We'll do math tomorrow when I'm sober. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm just like, oh, I can't pay rent, you know. <laughs> but yeah, now it's like, oh, you know, yeah, you can have free alcohol. And I'm just like, is there is there water? <laughs> and I have a diet pop. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm just always happy if there is like seating. Can I sit down? That's the first I'm thing I for any concert yes. seating and I, can, I say I is there an air conditioned area oh my you god know? yeah uh you guys are brave just having done an outdoor concert but like is there shade can I have air conditioning where's my water I need to sit uh yes I I need all of those things yeah it's, um, it's kind of my but that's that's my first question is always Will there be seating? <laughs> We're fun. We're two fun people. Uh, guys, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news. All right, so... The first thing we should probably talk about is that the state of California is on fire. Yeah. Uh, this is wild, guys, if you haven't been following this. they've You know it's bad when they name the fire? Like, the fire has a name now. Uh, it's called the Mendocino Complex, 
and it's grown to the size of Los Angeles. It is actually as big as the city of Los Angeles right now, and it's only a third contained. So in all likelihood, it will get much bigger. Um, it has burned 75 homes and forced thousands of people to evacuate. And they've had to evacuate very quickly. If you've heard the testimonials from people about having to like rush out of their house in the middle of the night, uh, very traumatizing experience. Um, but obviously, um, I wanted to talk about this because it's tied to climate change. The reason that um, there are 17 large fires that they now have named a, a single complex is because of climate change and uh, the very, very dry conditions in California that have led to this fire spreading very quickly. Yep. <laughs> everything's so so awful and then of course trump jumps in with his dumbass like he has to make everything political and he doesn't sure. know what any how anything works or what anything means he just knows <laughs> that if he's like slamming california that his base will be like yeah fuck california so. yeah 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 um he thinks they're they're taking water and instead of using it on fire is they're putting it in the ocean like i don't but that doesn't even make a little bit of sense what yeah, I missed that, apparently. Oh, yeah. He tweeted that. He's just like, they keep diverting water from <laughs> water to the ocean instead of using it to put out the fires. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, like, there is a lot about Western and, like, Southwestern city planning that doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, like, you built a city in the middle of the desert. Um, right. Irrigation's like going to be difficult. Yeah. Maybe you can't have lawns. <laughs> right. Well, they're like, you know, California, to their credit, has done a lot to address that. Um, they passed that ordinance where, like, you're not allowed to water your lawns. Um, I forget, like, what the watering schedule is, but it's like you can get ticketed if, like, you're overwatering your lawns. A lot of people have, like, switched to, um, like, regional plants for their front lawns, like desert plants that don't need to be watered, um, which is a great idea. But, like, they have tried to address that stuff. But, I mean, like, the city of Las Vegas should not exist. <laughs> like, no, no. You know, it's, like, not good for anyone. Um, I realize at this point it's too late, but you built a city in the middle of the desert, and it's, like, of course we're running out of water now. It's probably not the best idea. But, you know, like, uh, these wildfires are the ca caused by climate change. And if... Every news story doesn't acknowledge that they're doing a disservice to, to their audience because we know why this is happening. We know why it's getting worse. We know why the fires keep getting bigger, and it's because of climate change. Um, but speaking of climate change and storms getting way more powerful, did you see that Puerto Rico finally conceded that more than 1,400 people died during Hurricane Maria? Oh, I missed that. Yeah. So previously they reported that there were 64 deaths right. and Which everyone was like bullshit <laughs> because we all saw the photos and we all knew the scale of the damage. So we were like, there was no way 64, only 64 people died from that storm. So they very quietly admitted it recently um, with no fanfare in a report submitted to Congress this week. Uh, because they needed to explain why they 
are submitting this $139 billion restruction plan for the island. So in that argument, like we need $139 billion, they were like, because 1,400 people died. But they like very quietly snuck that in. Uh, there wasn't like a press conference or anything. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I totally missed that. Yeah, and like... I remember, like, speaking of Trump, Trump went to Puerto Rico and was talking about, like, how amazing it was that only 64 people died and, like, made that a whole thing, even though, like, just repeating it because he was told that, even though people were like, there's no way it was just 64 people. Um, but, yeah, now they've they've admitted it. And Puerto Rico is another example of that extreme weather where it's like the the people who are going to be impacted by changing weather patterns the most are poor people of color just because they're in the pathway of the storms and they don't have the resources to like run away um like in california not to diminish you know the experience of victims there but there are a lot of people who can afford to pick up and move and also recover if their homes are burnt down Right. That is not the case for many people who live in places like Puerto Rico. If their homes get blown away, they're just fucked. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, even in, like, climate disaster, like the aftermath of climate disaster, there's class war. <laughs> you know, like, who, yeah. who can recover and who can recover the quickest? And it tends to be privileged northerners. Um, when I say north, I mean, like north of the equator right um yeah th see that's 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 why i like being in chicago it's like my climate change like i'm hiding from it all <laughs> well it's gonna it's gonna be the last place that's like affected in the u.s i guess we i remembered like when i lived in the i lived in illinois we knew a storm was super bad if there was a tornado warning in chicago because the way weather patterns work Oh, the buildings in Chicago sort of like shield you guys from the impacts of a lot of the tornadoes. Right. Yeah. Um, but that might change. I don't know. You know, there yeah. might be more severe storms in Chicago. I feel like nobody's going to get away unscathed is my point. <laughs> right. Uh, so... What did I want to talk about? Do we want to talk about Garrett, uh, Jared Kushner? Eh, sure. Yeah. If you want. Let's, let's just do it. Jared, okay. Jared is Jared. So I saw this story bouncing around a lot on Twitter. Uh, apparently, Jared Kushner personally ordered the deletion of uh, New York Observer articles that were critical of his friends and real estate colleagues during his time as the paper's publisher, according to BuzzFeed. Uh, so prior to assuming the role of senior White House advisor under his father-in-law, Trump, in 2012, Kushner directed a third-party software engineer to remove the content, according to emails obtained by BuzzFeed News. Uh, all right cool yeah uh so again this is what happens when you have homogenized media controlled by very few elites um like the fact that jared kushner has the authority to demand the new york observer <laughs> delete articles 
that are critical of his friends and his colleagues should be very scary to people. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and he, I think what's really worrying here is he totally went around the editorial process. Yes. Like he he didn't even do this. It wasn't that he told an editor to do this, which is which would be terrible, sure, and horrible, you know. But he he just told someone in like the what was it the tech, you know, someone handling. Like, yeah, yeah. There was yeah. um, yeah, one of the tech people. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, he also called for the deletion of a 2012 article about his friend, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, buying a $6.75 million apartment in New York. This is so weird, though. Like, so what do you think the logic is behind this? So he, he's just, like, de- demanding they delete articles. That are already out there. That were already out there, but also, like, what? We're critical of the fact that his friend bought a very expensive apartment. Right. Like, wouldn't... Don't, aren't rich people proud of the fact that they're rich? Right. Isn't that supposed to be the whole thing? So, like, like is it just, like, an ego thing? Like, he can't handle any criticism? God, Maybe. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, and see, that's that's what bugs me so much about this, you know, the constant, like, oh, fake news, blah, blah, blah. It's it's so much projection because <laughs> it's like, oh, this is what they this is what these people actually do when they have when they are in charge of news. You know, it's like right. they they cater it to their own beliefs and they they try to censor views that are, you know, that are in opposition to their own, you know? Yeah, right. I like and I guess it's not illegal. It's considered like a major ethics violation. Yeah. But that should matter, you know? Like people should be as upset as if like, I don't know, a, an ethics violation in journalism can have the same amount of damage as if someone had broken the law, you know? Mm-hmm. Um in terms of like people not having access to information, not knowing, you know, that things are going on it's a, a huge deal right oh absolutely and you know and no and the weird thing is no one cares it it totally yeah i know under the radar and it's just like well oh well his paper he can decide what to do with it and that's what's scary about you know fewer and fewer like businesses and people owning exactly media companies, yeah you know because it's consolidating and you know suddenly it's going to be well if because you know the thing is if jared kushner you know, if we don't hear about, you know, the story from Jared Kushner, we might hear about, hear it from a different news outlet. But if they're all closing, you know, or if they're all owned by him, right. it defeats the whole purpose. And he really can, uh, you know, hide the truth and whatever. Well, we were just talking about at the beginning of the show, you know, like the staff at Upworthy getting laid off. But I mean, this is the story in so many newsrooms all across the country of journalists being fired. So you have smaller and smaller staffs trying to cover more and more news, uh, which is impossible. So they're going to start missing stories, obviously, especially at like the local level. Um, And then you have at the top of the food chain homogenized media. So like fewer and fewer billionaires owning more and more of the media. It's inevitable that the coverage is going to get shitty. (laughs) Yeah. You know, (laughs) so in addition to that, then you have people like Jerry Kushner actively suppressing the news that should be really alarming to people. (laughs) 
Like <laughs> this is your your news, and it, it's it's being destroyed. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's that that should really concern us. I mean, I I just I don't know. I'm between that and the Sinclair thing because that was the the sin because uh, the Trump campaign. It was Kushner who struck that deal with Sinclair to like right. You know, give basically give Trump like unfiltered airtime, which uh, I mean, one positive thing is that uh, the the Tribune was going to sell some of their stations to Sinclair and now they're not going to, which right, is great. Right. Uh, because I don't know. I like watching WGN in Chicago. So uh, I'm glad that it's not going to be owned by them because their morning news is hilarious <laughs> because no one watches it. Uh, so, you know, so they just kind of do whatever and they're all, I sorts kind of, of these- remember this. Like I, right? when I lived in the Chicago area, I think I watched them in the morning when I was yeah. getting ready for school. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Like th- there are so many amazing clips online. You're like, how is this an actual news show? <laughs> it would always be that stuff that would end up on like that. Uh, what was that show? The soup. Oh uh, yes. One, yes. Yeah, where it would be like all these weird clips from TV shows and WGN, it would be like, there was a clip of them uh they were they were gonna watch a bridge implosion or something like that and so they kept the camera on it and then they like cut cut away for a second they came back and the bridge was just gone and they're like no how did we miss it it's amazing it was oh, and another so time all the sound went out for like 20 minutes and they're just communicating with like little like signs writing it on <laughs> it kind of reminded me of there was that snl sketch where will ferrell and uh will ferrell is playing like a tv anchor and the prompter goes out uh-huh. and, uh, you know, and it for like without a prompter for like 20 minutes, they forget how to talk. And <laughs> he, he ends up like having like blood all over him and not wearing a shirt and like fighting. <laughs> it, it, it gets all like super like primitive, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty close to the truth, though, to be honest. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah. I'm I'm remembering this in bits and uh, in bits and pieces i do miss chicago news a lot um so i, I love chicago chicago's I just, great it, it just, you know and that's and that's that's i think the only thing that's going to make my like job search harder because i keep saying to people i'm like i'm pretty tied to chicago oh yeah you know? like you don't want to leave yeah, yeah i mean like a lot of places are like oh new york or washington it's like i don't want to you know especially because it's like it's more expensive to live in New York than it is Chicago. It is, but it's getting close. Yeah, um, it's pricey here. But I mean, I don't know. Like, I have a one-bedroom apartment that's I think like thirteen hundred dollars a month. Yeah, it's not not bad. I, you know, it's a decent apartment. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a friend who is thinking about leaving New York to go back to Chicago, and he's like devastated about it. And I was like, dude, Chicago's cool. Yeah. No. You know, I'm here. <laughs> I should have mentioned that to him. The like, Cubs are here. Have you heard of Parker Malloy? Parker. She lives in Chicago. Are you less sad now? Uh, <laughs> it's like Meatball lives in Chicago. Meatball lives in Chicago. So, so does Snickers. I should have started just showing him like their yeah. Instagram feeds. Like, Come on. This is great. Come on, dude. Chin up. Um, so... I should probably also talk about this article at the Daily Beast about uh, a Texas youth facility uh, that we've talked about before on the show called the Shiloh Treatment Center. And the reason we talked about it on, on the show is that 
uh, they have been accused of uh, abusing migrant children. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that there have been warning flags about the Shiloh Treatment Center since like 2009. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So we've known, not we, not me and Parker, but, but people. We've just been sitting on this. <laughs> people in power have known about this uh, for many years. Um, th- uh, three children had died after being uh, physically restrained at Shiloh and affiliated uh, facilities in rural Texas run by the same man uh, who's named Clay Dean Hill. A teenager from California died after running away and getting hit by a truck. Texas officials repeatedly had cited Hill's residential centers for troubled youths after caretakers were found to have slapped, punched, and kicked children. Um, so, But nine years ago, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services sent its first delivery of federal tax dollars to Hill, who he has the craziest backstory. He was at one time a longshoreman, and then he turned into a millionaire entrepreneur specializing in the care of vulnerable children, which sounds oh. like a supervillain's backstory. Yeah. Uh, like how did you, how did you get to that point? Like how did you? Yeah, how did that ju- transition happen? Uh, the federal government wanted Hill to take immigrant children with mental health problems who were caught crossing the border without parents or papers. And I pointed this out on the show before, but like. What is the threshold for quote unquote mental health problems for like children who are like traveling without their parents? Of course, they're in distress. Of course, they're probably like crying and screaming for their parents. Does that qualify as them being quote unquote mentally ill? Um, So the funding started a couple of months before a male caretaker in his 40s was caught preying on a 15 year old girl from California sexually abusing her at one of Hill's all-girl dormitories where he was assigned overnight. He's now a convicted sex offender. So, yay. yay. Uh, But, yeah, the fact that the federal government is, like, funneling children to... Where are the conservatives who are constantly accusing Democrats of pedophilia? Like, because here's an actual story. (laughs) Here's an actual story of the federal government funneling children to this quote unquote treatment center and they're being sexually abused. Like, you think those people, like QAnon, where's QAnon? Where is Q? (laughs) Q. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. That's that, 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 you know what? That does bother me. It, 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 It makes it hard to believe that these people are actually concerned about about uh children's health wait a second are, are you saying it that be critical wow wow I, I know big I accusation know. big accusation i know i, know. I uh <sighs> wow yeah wow, yeah. wow wow i know <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah no it's, it's god that always that's it's their obsession with that is really weird and i'm just isn't like, it weird okay, so much is projection that this is not one of those things that you want to be like, this seems like projection, but this seems, it like, seems projection. like projection. I like I said that on Twitter and one of the right wingers was like, why aren't you why aren't you concerned with pedophilia? And I was like, I am with real pedophilia, not your weird fantasies about yeah, pedophilia. Like, 
like the director of Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like they, it's, it's like, come on, you know, you know that whether or not you liked his dumb jokes, like, you know that that was like, yeah. those were jokes that he was. Uh, they're like, yeah, but how can you tell? It's like, well, probably because if he was a pedophile, he wouldn't be tweeting about it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Just like openly you know? admitting it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like that's that you, that might be the first clue, you know, and also they're like, I got to love all the screen grabs that those guys take out of context. Like. One was just like he. It was one of his jokes that was just like, uh, you know, group of young girls or whatever, and and it was like a video of them like, you know, like a children's choir. Oh it was, yeah, was like the joke it was like, ha ha ha. You know, you clicked on something that I described inaccurately. It was like it was a rickroll, basically. Sure. And they're like, no, how do you know what that video was? It's like because someone pointed it out. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole. The world is an exhausting place, Allison. It can be. It can be. But guys, you know why it's okay? Because it's that time of the show. Here is your good news. Yay. So we got to talk about the special election that just happened uh, because a bunch of cool stuff happened and there is a lot of good news in it. I'll start with like some potentially good news, which is that there was a special election in uh, Ohio, Ohio's 12th district. And I believe there's still are they still counting or did the Republicans squeak out the victory? I think they might. I think yeah. they're still counting. Okay, so it's but... it's really close. Like, it's coming down to, like, the last few ballots, basically. But um, here's why it's potentially really good news. So this district, the 12th district in Ohio, is uh, historically extremely Republican. Um, it, it's not by any measure of politics a toss-up district. So... This Wasn't it the 90s when when the last yeah. time a Democrat won. Yeah. It it's been a really really long time. So the fact that uh Danny O'Connor, the uh, Democrat, brought it this close to Troy Balderson, the Republican, is obviously good news but also could potentially be a preview of the midterm election. The fact that this was um a district that Trump easily won during the election and now a Democrat has come this close uh, could potentially be really, really bad news for Republicans. So that's the first piece of maybe good news. Then we have like definite good news. Um, So the Democrats uh, picked a gay Native American nominee in Kansas's third district named uh, Sharice Davids. Uh, The fact that this is in uh, very red Kansas <laughs> uh, is great news. Um, then there is uh, Rashid Tlaib, who is set to become the first Palestinian American congresswoman. She's in Michigan's uh, 13th congressional district. Uh, is also very cool. Uh, a listener sent me this story, and this is 
very, very good news. St. Louis voters ousted the prosecutor who didn't bring charges in the, the cop killing of Michael Brown. Um, so that's also a great bit of news. Uh, Wesley Bell, um, who cast himself as a reformer committed to changing a local criminal justice system widely criticized uh, following the 2014 killing of black and unarmed teenager Michael Brown by a white police officer, won St. Louis's county's Democratic primary for top prosecutor on Tuesday. Uh, and in Missouri, unions had a big victory. Uh, again, Missouri is a very red state, uh, but voters rejected a quote-unquote right-to-work law. Um, and of course, right-to-work laws are anti-union. Yeah. Uh, very deceptively yeah, named. Yeah, <laughs> very deceptively named, but they're very bad. Uh, in essence, they, they portray unions as not giving workers the right to choose not to be in a union, uh, you know, in other words, uh, it, they violate workers' rights to fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, yeah, right, right to work where it's like, oh, cool. Now, you know, it's like, yeah, this is, imagine thinking that that's a good thing in yeah. any situation. It's like, oh, cool. You mean that, like, now places can just lay you, you know, it's like, oh, cool, at will employment. Woo! Right, right, you know? right. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, so there was a lot of good news in, uh, during the special elections uh, earlier this week. So I wanted to highlight some of that. And yeah, we still don't know like who the hell knows what's going to happen during the midterms. But at least what we're seeing right now is it seems like voters, for some reason, Parker, are upset. Yeah, yeah you know, it's a it's, it's little people are a little little wound up. Mm -hmm. Uh <laughs> a little hot under the collar. Yeah, a little, little bit, you know, yep. which is which is good. And uh, you know, we people need to show up to, for midterm elections every time. It's just, oh yeah, you know, because I mean, I, I wrote something about it several weeks back at Upwardly um, about. I wrote about how the 2014 election is essentially what gave Mitch McConnell the ability to block. Uh, Merrick Garland's appointment you right, know, right. To, to the court. So it's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, these things have major consequences. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. And like, listen, sometimes people don't turn out for the midterms because they're less than excited about the, the two political parties. And I get it. But yeah, when you think like long term stuff like that, midterms matter. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, you know, and the, the, so the other night, uh, the thing in Ohio, I saw I saw a bunch of people doing that thing where they're like, the Green Party, you know, yelling uh, about that. Sure, it's, sure. Like, it's like, is it throwing the vote away? Absolutely. Is it worth being upset about? Probably not. Probably not, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, pe people have to know that, like, what's at stake. And, and anyone who, who knows this and still goes and votes Green Party is just you know, they're, they weren't going to vote. <laughs> my you know, my thing is too, like, as long as we claim we like to live in a democracy and you're the democratic candidate, you got to go win those votes. Yeah. It's like, you like, know, and yeah. And, and, you know, and I get that like some people, I, I mean, like, here's the, like when, when I cast a vote, it's, 
it's trying to, you know, it's me trying to figure out, um, you know, who, who closest represents my values, who has a chance at winning. Sure. Um, I don't understand, I don't understand the impulse to vote for someone who you just straight up know will not win, you know, like doesn't, does not mathematically have a chance. I mean, I think it just has to be that they, they really don't like the democratic candidate. Yeah, which, you know, you know, like and, and that's sort of like, all right, so then we should ask ourselves why they don't like the Democratic candidate. And I feel like some people who vote third party have reasonable grievances, sure. you know, that they, you know, it, it's probably worth the Democrats time to listen to them, because oftentimes what they'll say is like, you're not left wing enough. Right. Um, and, and maybe that would behoove them to listen to that, you know, like we see with Alexandria Octavia Cortez, like a lot of people got very excited about her because she was saying stuff that like voters had been saying for a long time, which is like, I can't afford to live in this city. I feel like the city isn't for me anymore. And she gave a voice to that and people got very excited about it. So it's like, okay, well, if that worked, <laughs> you know, like maybe you should adopt some of those same policies. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that I think there's always this this instinct where it's like, well, if Democrats want to, you know, and maybe that's the one thing because the only the only way you can you can change, um, you know, change a party other than giving them a lot of money, sure. uh, which which does seem to work, um, <laughs> sadly, uh, is is to essentially threaten to withhold your vote, right? And you know, I think most people most people are bluffing when they when they say like well i'm not going to vote for that candidate you know it's like most people i think make the decision to to vote for whichever you know candidate best represents their views but if you want oh, if you want to you know push a party to one side it's like yeah saying like you need to be further to the left you know because otherwise the the reaction is always going to be well we need to go further to the right to win some more of those those votes on the right it's like no Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, honestly, honestly, if if a Democratic candidate came out right now and they were like, I'm going to support, uh, you know, because this is all all of the like all of the identity politics critiques and stuff, you know, where basically conservatives are like, hey, if you, you know, if Democrats just ran candidates who would be willing to throw, you know, women and trans people and you know all these groups under the bus then you know we'd vote for them you know like if 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 a democratic candidate came out and said like oh i'm gonna you know i'm i'm taking all these like you know anti-abortion anti-trans and anti-gay views i would not vote for them like right. I, I i honestly would not like and that that would be you know my way of saying like that's not acceptable to me as a voter so it's like whatever you pick up from someone else like you kind of have to prove that you'll make it you know like not just not worth it mm -hmm. <laughs> you know it's like because that that happened during the 2016 election too clinton went out there and she made that big you know pitch to being like no this donald trump is not the republican party you know reasonable republicans vote for me you know that sort of thing where mm -hmm. it, it didn't really work i yeah, mean not so much in, in you know, and then and now you see people calling for the same exact thing. It's uh, well, you've we've tried that. And yeah, that's really why I'm like anybody who thinks that the Democrats like have got this. I'm like, really? Because like the party leadership does not seem to have new ideas. Like yeah. they saw what happened with Cortez and they were like, that won't play in the Midwest. And then Cortez went on this tour in the Midwest where she was like, bullshit. 
and she like was at these like really big rallies and like people do respond to the idea of having a living wage and being able to provide shelter and food and dignity to your family. Like these are universal ideas. And the fact that the democratic party leadership is like, that won't play in the Midwest is like, that's why you fucking lost Michigan. Yeah. That's why, because you don't know what the fuck's actually going on on the ground. Like you fucked up in 2016. That's what happened. Yeah. And, 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 you know, just generalizing things like, well, that won't play in the Midwest, you know, that's, that's not going to help. Right. You know, basically it's like, well, we all know, we all know you guys are just a bunch of dum-dums. Yeah, you know? it's so condescending and it's, it's also it's like, so condescending. it's painting with such a broad brush where it's like, are there very conservative areas of Absolutely. the Midwest? Yeah, but guess what? People in New York City voted for Trump too. Like, if yeah. we're going to generalize, it's like, there are people in the Midwest who would really respond to the socialist platform and like a very left-wing agenda. And to say like, oh, that just won't play, it's like, Right, because you guys are playing from the same playbook that you always have, and, and this is why you keep fucking dropping the ball, because you're not adapting to the changing times. Yeah, um, exactly. But anyway. <laughs> uh, also... <laughs> this was the good news part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Democrats suck. Uh, <laughs> also, in, like, maybe good news, uh, so I covered this in the bad news section the other day. Uh, there was this paper that came out that was getting a lot of attention about did you hear about this the hot house earth yes okay so just to recap for anybody who missed it there was this like pretty dire paper that was like getting a lot of attention probably because it it sounded so fatalistic um and i shouldn't say the paper itself sounded fatalistic it was how the media was covering it um about this hot house earth um phenomenon that we find ourselves in in which there would be sort of this cascading series of of effects um where uh, basically like we're too late to stop or slow down climate change and uh the hot house earth could render large swaths of our planet uninhabitable mm -hmm. so the authors of the paper came out and were basically like that is not what we said. Um, Diana Liverman, who's a climate scientist and co-author of the paper, uh, called out the media directly. Uh, and she tweeted, clearly people aren't reading the paper we wrote, where our point is exactly that hothouse earth is not our destiny and that social system feedbacks are starting to move us to the stable earth. But media goes through the worst case and makes it sound certain. So... Liverman and the other authors of the paper anticipated a defeatist response and published a multi-page document of possible solutions, which, when combined with uh, other research on the most important actions people can take, gives a blueprint for hope, not despair. So on yesterday's episode, we talked about... Um, there was a study in Sweden about like what people can do in their everyday lives to sort of slow the effects of climate change and it includes stuff like having one less kid or like switching to a vegetable based diet um not driving a car washing your clothes in cold water stuff like that that can actually if enough people do it have a, a big impact um so this is a little bit of hope the authors of the paper were both basically like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. we did not say we're fucked you know <laughs> they were just like 
if people don't change their behavior, of course, things will get worse. But they are optimistic, so I feel like we should all be optimistic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and also, you know, doom and gloom does not, um, I don't know, doesn't motivate people to take action. Sure. It actually shuts them off. Yeah. Um, you know, you're less likely to take action if someone tells you something's inevitable because mm-hmm. what's the point? So, you know, those those articles, the, you know, that the way people framed it, it's like the only thing they do is make people more apathetic. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's that's not good. <laughs> no. And I mean, like the yeah. whenever there's a scientific report, you have to give it like three news cycles before there will actually be accurate coverage of what was in that report. Because I feel like media misrepresents studies so often. (laughs) Yeah, because it's just like a bunch of dummies like us. Yeah, yeah, we're like, what? I don't don't get it, what? We're like, well, I'm not a scientist, but I think this is what it says. Yeah, that's why I feel like people with um, scientific training need to go into journalism more. Because it's so easy to misrepresent studies, you know, and like just frame it in a way that like was not the intention of the original authors. (laughs) Like, these poor scientists are now like, wait, we did not say that. Like, don't lose hope. Um, So also in good news here in New York City, uh, in a major defeat for Uber and Lyft, um, New York City voted to limit ride-hailing cars. So, and NYC became the first city, the first American city, to restrict the explosive growth of ride-sharing cars. So what that means is that there's now a cap on the number of four higher delivery and transportation vehicles on the city's streets. Um, so the council voted to halt the issuance of new four higher vehicle licenses for 12 months. So they have to wait a year while it studies the booming industry. Um, under the cap, Uber and Lyft could still be granted licenses for wheelchair-accessible vehicles, um, which, by the way, both companies sorely lack, but would be prevented from adding new ride-hail vehicles for one year. Uh, The city's Taxi and Limousine Commission could also issue licenses in particular neighborhoods that are running low on ride-hail vehicles. And then, also in good news, another bill that passed would establish a $15 living wage for those drivers. So now these bills go to the desk of Mayor de Blasio, who has indicated he supports it and he will sign them. So two good new things. Um, Because obviously a lot of taxi drivers have been complaining about the fact that they're basically getting run out of business by Uber and Lyft. Um, But also the fact that now Uber and Lyft drivers uh, would be paid $15 an hour, which is good. and again, living wages, important. And they would play in the Midwest, Democrats. Yeah, people <laughs> like money. <laughs> they like to be able to survive. You yeah. know, like who wouldn't want to be able to provide for their family with the income from their job? Oh, the worst, the fucking worst. How do you think that won't play in the Midwest? Oh, I'm so mad. Uh, yeah. I'm so mad. Well, you know, I always... It's always enjoyable to watch people try to make the argument against like paying people a living wage. So like, well, but if we if we do that, then then what about my job that makes slightly more than that? It's like, well, you'll probably make a little more too. Or or <laughs> they're know? like, well, I don't make that, so why yeah. should they make that? And it's like, you should make that too. Yeah, exactly. I God, people. I I think what so much of this comes down to is like people need to feel like 
They're like, well, I need to feel like I'm better than someone. It's the crabs in the bucket thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know. I well, there need to be winners and losers. Otherwise, what's the point? You I know? think that is a way that party elites blame how much they suck on like voters. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Where they're like, well, it's their fault because like, you know, they just want to like tear each other down. It's like, is it that or has party leadership been so shitty that like they don't feel represented in government? They don't want to participate in the system that's not serving them. And then also, yeah, there's other factors like, you know, maybe they're just racist. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, maybe it's not the fact that like we're crabs in a bucket. Maybe it's that there's no sort of hope with our leadership. So we become the crabs in the bucket, which is, well, I can only like access or I can only like, I only feel like I have power if I'm like pulling other people down because I don't feel represented within this system. Right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, Guys, thank you so much for listening. Please go to lighttreason.news. Hit that donate button to keep us going. Smash that donate button. Smash that. Do oh, my God. That's what I'm going to say from now on. Smash that donate button. Uh, you've, you've been listening to this episode. Times are tough right now. Um, people are going through some stuff. And that, uh, that includes us within uh, the Light Treason News family. Uh, so please go smash that donate button. <laughs> Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those great places. Please follow Parker at Parker Malloy. Go to her Patreon right now. Sign up to support her. She's great. You love her. You love her writing. Support her during this difficult time. And guys, while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>